0: Payday loans, Brad.
1: I know they're bad. They're very bad. I know that they're illegal in Massachusetts. Are they not?
0: I don't actually. I don't know that. I think they might be. Um, I I, don't know. I see. Like, there's check. I know there's some check casting. Check cashing places. I think a check
1: cashing place is different than a payday loan.
0: I guess they're maybe they are illegal. They're illegal in some states. Yeah. And that's. Uh, I know,
1: like buy here, pay here financing is legal in Massachusetts for car lots.
0: Yeah. And that's like that's a little different, but. Um, And that's sort of where the story kind of starts. They're predatory loans, basically, is what they
1: are. They're loans designed to make maximum money for the loaner. They
0: are legal in some places, although they are highly unethical in the way that they're structured. Handled, yes. It's not like a, well, there were some issues with, like, mortgages, but generally... <laughs> Bad example. <laughs> generally mortgages today. It's
1: not like going to a credit union, yes, and getting a loan from your credit union
0: where they give you like, you know, a car loan on a, you know, 8-year-old car and it's only like 5%, right, which is pretty fair. Or like you need a personal loan and it's 5 or 6%, right, like not a big deal. Like that's fair. That's the price to do a business yeah. with loans. That's how but apparently there is a uh, a segment of Americans who can't get regular loans because they're too high risk. Like credit scores are too low, and they have too many so too much they'll, history. they'll do payday loans, right? So, anyway, how does that tie in with car stuff? People get payday loans to buy cars? Uh Maybe. Okay, uh, that'd be a, not where you're going with it. That'd though. be a huge payday loan. Well, it could be some old car could yeah. be
1: eight hundred dollar car like we buy.
0: Yeah, and then it would end up costing you two grand. It would anyways on top of the two grand yeah. to fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is not a not a good financial decision. Um, but what it comes into is racing is expensive. Okay. So what's the old adage? Was uh, the only way to make a small fortune in racing is to start with a large one. Yes. So there are so many uh, legit racing teams, and. Uh, Well, there are many legit racing teams, and there have been a few racing teams over the years, though, that have questionable funding. I remember hearing some NASCAR stories in
1: the 80s. Yeah? I'm not sure which one it was.
0: I mean, there was always that rumor. I mean, that's how NASCAR was rumored to have been started. I mean, that's the myth that they like to put out there, Mm because we talked about that on a a prior episode. Yeah, that... NASCAR was born from illegal moonshining and running from the cops. When really, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really draw. Like, doesn't really make sense that you would have a bunch of guys interested in running uh, illegal moonshine to make money, join an organization with a lot of strict rules on how they race and build a car. Right? That doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Right. But anyway, that's the myth. That's how NASCAR was started. And I'm certainly, there had to be some truth to that myth. I'm sure some people early on, like junior Johnson is famed to have been funded by his moonshine moonshine. And then of course there actually is a brand of junior Johnson moonshine. Now, oh, I really? that myth. I didn't yeah, know that myth. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, um, but basically, uh, I recently watched the Dirty Money episode on Netflix about Scott Tucker. Okay. And Level 5 Racing, and he had, I can't remember the name of his company. It it was, remember the commercials with Montel Williams? Do you need cash? It was like Fast Money Now. Yeah, exactly. That was his company. Okay. Um, And so if you're not familiar with it, he was... Scott Tucker was convicted of illegal short-term loans, which are payday loans, and racketeering in October of 2017. So recently. Yes. Yeah, because
1: those, those ads were fairly recent, actually. on uh,
0: Within the last, like, 10 years or so. Yeah. And this sort of investigation, I believe, started in 2014. Um, and why is this interesting, right? So this guy, Scott Tucker came in out of seemingly nowhere and started racing sports cars and turned out to be pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. But you know from just what we do with rallycross and autocross and stuff.
1: It's expensive. Even that's expensive. Yeah. So
0: you don't just show what, up.
1: What level of racing did he show up at? Where, where did Scott Docker get his start?
0: That's the thing. You just don't show up at, and race sports cars at top level. That's not the normal thing for an average person. No. I mean, he's a rich businessman, so... Um, you know, but even for a middle-aged businessman, you know, they might buy a sports car and do a few track days. Yeah. But, you know, Scott Tucker, Scott Tucker, this guy was all about taking to this high level and it takes massive amounts of cash to that. Um, basically racing any type of car in any like version of racing, you might as well take a pile of money and Light it on fire. Well, that's any hobby you get seriously into, whether it yeah. be
1: a car racing thing or even fishing or golfing. Yeah, you're spending untold amounts of cash in order to do the thing you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So now, like I said, what what level of motorsport did Scott Tucker like start turning up in? Where did he? He like, decided start he
0: wanted to do waves, Fry Challenge.
1: Okay, so that's already expensive because you have to buy a quarter of a million dollar race car to start.
0: Yeah, yeah, and. Um, you know, payday loans are lucrative. Apparently. But... Uh, unless, you're,
1: unless you're the loan E. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, highly unethical. Um, but yet legalish. ish So uh, apparently Tucker hired a driving coach. He wanted to go for a challenge and win a championship. He eventually started a team called Level 5. Okay. Because they always wanted to push it to the highest level. Which apparently is five. Apparently. Hmm. Um, And then eventually he became a ranked uh, gentleman driver in endurance racing in IMSA. Hmm. So it's pretty interesting. And I kind of vaguely remember him back in the...
1: Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Early 2000s. Early 2000s
0: till, you know, 2014-ish. And, uh, you know, his claim to fame was this, he wanted to move, or he claimed that this was... He wanted to develop a racing business from this level five stuff. So that's why okay. he,
1: I mean, that makes sense. And that'd be a good way to launder your dirty money. <laughs> yeah.
0: And there's a couple, um, like if you want to know more about that stuff, there's, have you ever listened to the dinner with racers podcast? I've heard an episode or two. Um, the level five one that talks about his, a company is really good. Okay. Then there's, they, um, it's a guy that worked for him. And they talked about going uh, SCCA D class racing, which is these like little open wheel, no, these little like cos wheeled open cockpit prototype things. Okay. That are basically just for the SCCA runoffs. Yeah. And he wanted to set the lap record because there was a challenge put out by the, I think the Detroit region, or the Midwestern region of the SCCA at Road America. To set the lap record there in D spec or D class, whatever the hell it was, um, that so, became his goal. Yeah, but they they were already racing like at other levels too. So they took a car that is like a like a guy and like a guy and his wife and like his buddy might go to the racetrack on the weekends and just race. And they showed up and spent like they found every loophole in the rulebook. And they spent untold millions of dollars and went, like, five seconds faster than the live record.
1: So they obliterated it, basically. Yeah. By spending money at it. And money so at
0: that it. that particular podcast is fascinating. If you listen to it, the guy talks about how they looked at you could run so many cc's of normally aspirated, but you could run a 600cc turbocharged bike engine. Okay. And they're like, and they talked to their engine mill. He's like, oh, if you do it with the... It would make like, you know, 300 horsepower with the with the normally aspirator. But if we would do the 600cc turbo charge, you know, you'd make like, you'd do like 500.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's but nobody, almost double.
0: Yeah, but nobody did that because it cost too much money to develop that engine. So nobody did it before.
1: And it was one of those things that probably competition was good at the lower levels. that kept it there.
0: Yeah. And they didn't think anybody was actually going to exploit it, you know? So if we talk about the documentary on Netflix, you know, I think they tried to make the connection with illegal payday loans. And in the documentary, they they talk about racing by the rule book. Okay. And we've sort of talked about this before. Uh, You know, it comes up a lot in the famous book, The Unfair Advantage. The Mark Donahue book. The Mark, David Donahue. Oh, yeah. About. No, Mark Donahue. Mark Donahue. Yeah. David Donahue. yeah, Definitely yeah. Mark Donahue. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why I wrote that. <laughs> famous racing
1: driver, David Donahue. No, Mark Donahue.
0: Yeah. Um, Donahue was both a driver and an engineer, and he was famous for exploiting loopholes in the rule book. Right.
1: Like acid dipping body panels and yeah, just... testing different cars in your and years. And like when
0: they didn't say that the refueling tank had to be a certain height, they made it super high so that it filled the tanks faster. Right. And then they didn't erect the fuel tower until like right before the race started because people were like, what is going on? It <laughs> was super tall tower for, but that's the way racing has always been. You have the rules and then people try to find yeah. a way to use the rules. People always tried to smoke a eunuch their way through the rules. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. So Tucker's argument, and I don't think the documentary made a strong enough connection to this is that. Uh, the way his payday loan company operated was within the rules. I mean, I would argue it was unethical.
1: Yeah, he said it a few times.
0: But legal at the time Yeah, till it wasn't. When the U.S. government decided so it wasn't, wasn't legal. he wasn't
1: breaking the law. He was just, like, if he was a good person, he couldn't sleep at night kind of deal.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it was, that's the sad thing. I mean, the government could just make this all illegal mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't have this problem, but it wasn't illegal.
1: So I'm sure thanks to a whole nother podcast worth of, um, government yeah. spending and, um,
0: so people were
1: banks doing their, yeah. uh, we call it, uh, we call it due
0: diligence, no due you,
1: diligence. No, what do you call it when you give Congress bribes, but you don't call them bribes, uh, lobbying, lobbying. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah. So, but that's the thing. He, you know, claims that bigger banks didn't want to take these high risk loans. So that's why this, which is not wrong. Nope. And that's why this industry 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 exists. But I mean, it is pretty crazy. I mean, if they didn't, all these consumer protection people were going after them because they were quote unquote screwing poor people. Yeah, they were preying on less fortunate. Yes, I mean part of that is legally, unfortunately. Yeah, just make it illegal. I guess. Yeah. I mean, granted, the other side of the argument is don't do it. It's a bad idea. Yeah. If these you people
1: of their own free will were taking this,
0: yeah, these deals. So that's his argument that they didn't force anybody to do this. It's 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 an ethical thing, really, and whether you think it was okay or not. But basically, his unfair advantage came from, and this is really what ended up making the government go after him um, was he was hiding behind tribal associations and using tribal immunity tribal as in like reservation tribal like, Yeah, you know like people of the first nation okay so like he would partner with that's them fun. i guess has never
1: been more pc than that
0: that's that's what they're called
1: I, it's fine it's just it's it's good um carry on
0: he would convince these tribes to let him run his businesses off of their land. And so therefore so he could hide behind the immunity. He was immune from federal law. Okay. So in states like New York where payday loans are illegal, he still he could operate because it was on the internet and additionally mm-hmm. it was run by quote unquote tribes. tribes. So the federal government cannot go after tribes because for good reason. Yeah. For good reason. <laughs> so that's his unfair advantage. And then I think that's what really was his undoing. If he had just stuck with the regular formula of just being an unethical payday loaner and not yeah, taking it to
1: the next level. Yeah, he'd still be.
0: He'd probably still be doing it. But
1: as how, successful race car drivers are known to be, they like to take it to the next level. <laughs>
0: yeah, they push the limits. <laughs> yeah,
1: whether it be in a race car or in your illegal business practices. Or questionably legal business practices.
0: Which is interesting because everybody that uh, I've seen interviewed about him, I mean, that generally like, worked for him, for his race team, mm-hmm. I mean, apparently wasn't a bad guy. Well, to hang around with. Yeah, I mean, he paid paid you on time, paid you what you... Yeah, he had
1: plenty of money. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I don't think he was like an evil person, mm-hmm. just a greedy person. Okay,
1: which uh, it could be said that being greedy is evil. Maybe.
0: I mean, was it wasn't murdering people.
1: He probably saw it as a victimless kind of deal. Probably. Yeah. Like, these people are dumb enough to do this. Not my problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, and that's the other thing in the documentary. Uh, you know, Tucker really played at being the victim, which seemed like a real stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like a rich Spending white guy. Spending billions of race cars. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the government picked on you, but... He was really just a victim of his own, like, hubris.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but he got greedy and he got in trouble. That's yeah, generally how it works. Yeah. Um, power beget power, and greed begets greed. and Yeah. You can't stop. Yeah. It's an addiction at some point for some people.
0: So I would... I definitely would check out uh, the Dirty Money documentary and uh, the Dinner with Racers episodes. Okay. Because the other one... Uh, there's one where it's Scott Tucker the racing story and Scott Tucker the business story. And the crazy thing those is those are both on
1: Dirty Money or Those are on The Dinner with Racers. Dinner,
0: Dinner with Racers okay. podcast. And the crazy thing is is that during his trial in New York City, he sat down with them and did the interviews.
1: During the trial? Yeah. You're not supposed to do that.
0: They were like shocked that he sat down and talked. He was talked so open about because they he they were really convinced that he was going to win. Now, one thing he did make an argument with that I kind of agreed with is that the the government, I guess I kind of agree with this, took away, they freezed all his assets, and therefore he wasn't able to pay for his own lawyers that he had. Okay. But then he was appointed governmental lawyers. Okay. So then it's like the, seems you, unfair. Then the taxpayers are paying for his lawyers.
1: So now we're in bed with his problems here.
0: It just seems weird to me. Like, just let him pay for his own defense.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess
1: at the end of the day, who does the money go back to anyway from his frozen assets? Yeah. I mean, I don't know law very well, but I assume it goes back to the government. I believe
0: under RICO laws that he was prosecuted under, they just take it from you. And it goes to the government. Because that was all stuff that was to prosecute the mob and drug dealers, and they just take it. Okay. But yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy, right? Like, it seems crazy. It sounds like a crazy story. I, I, I need to know
1: more, I think, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, like, I mean, the guy just. And the documentary is crazy because it opens on them pulling cars out of his house. Race cars. Race cars that yeah. they've repossessed to pay off his debt. But what debt? His, um, what the government says that legal he's, debt. he's owned in fines. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like, you know, his company, like all these people get laid off, but apparently in the documentary, they make it seem like the company no longer exists and it's not doing business anymore, but it is. But then when you listen to the dinner with the racers podcast, he's like, no, 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 my business still exists. He just can't collect anything. From it. It's still, it's still running. So somebody else is collecting the money. He's, According to Scott Tucker, the government is running his business because they seized it, so they're keeping it operational.
1: That's according to him. Yeah. So and they're still giving predatory loans out to. Yeah. Uh, when now the government's doing it. And I don't know just if it's went still down a whole other level.
0: I already. don't know if it's still running now after he's been prosecuted. But
1: I haven't listened to the Dinner with Rachel's podcast. I feel like I should have done that. I didn't realize that there was about the story there, I would have listened. But yeah. that's nuts.
0: It's super nuts. And it's it's like super crazy. And this is all to go racing. Well, you need... Well, maybe not all to go racing. It was to be a wealthy person. It was to
1: be a wealthy person, yeah. And his hobby happened to be racing. Some wealthy people play golf.
0: Yep. It happened Some to be racing. racing. And that was the thing. He was very private about, at first, like who he was. But then, like... They produced this flashy, it's probably on YouTube somewhere, a documentary about him, about being this gentleman driver. And then if you went and you saw, like, there's... When you go to a racetrack and they have all the race trailers set up, like, he yeah. would, ha, they would have this crazy, insane setup that would cost, like... For an amateur-level team. Yeah. It costs, like, thousands of dollars to set up. Probably more than that. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. And they had, you know... <laughs> like a Formula One race trailer. Yeah, he had drivers on payroll and all this stuff. Because they ran teams, and I get it. Your idea was that you were going to start to legitimize race teams, but yeah. you're basically—I don't know—you're ill-gotten money. It's very strange, but—but but not ill-gotten money. Yeah, it's that's so the is, weird thing. Is, to so me.
1: it doesn't. I, I'm I'm confused as to what's illegal that happened here, because if all of this was legal while he was doing it, why is he in trouble for it?
0: It was legal until. The very end, when someone figured out that he was doing it on behind, uh, like, tribals, tribal stuff. Okay. And, like, he claimed that he wasn't actually, he didn't actually own these companies. He just worked for them. So he, like, managed them for the tribes. Quote, Quote, unquote, managed them. He managed them for the tribes. Right. But he was—he was, he was just an employee. But he's really the owner, and it was all getting funnelled to him all the money, mm-hmm. and not very much was getting funnelled to the tribes. Of course, yeah. Because why would it? Yeah, and I—and that's when people started to figure out that what he was doing was wasn't legal. And like the, um, the headquarters would be in Kansas City, and then the when people would call. And ask the employees where they were. And he claims he has no knowledge of this. They were told to say they were where the tribal communities were. Okay. Located. So mm-hmm. they were giving not up. Not in Kansas City. Not in Kansas Fault City. False information. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting story. It's a very interesting story. And you're not, you're like, you're like, I kind of feel bad for him, but then I don't.
1: Yeah. He lived the fun life for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure... Is he still in jail now? Oh, he went to jail in October. Oh, just this past year? Yeah. So he's currently in jail.
0: Yeah. So he's... I believe he's going to serve... I feel like they said 16 years. Okay. But... I mean... Crime don't pay. He thought he was going to get life, but... I don't know. It didn't really... It didn't murder anyone. Yeah. It seems like it would be a tough crime to get life for. Yeah. It's just... I mean, part of it's like... I don't know, just don't get a payday loan. If you can, just don't do it.
1: Yeah, I don't think I there's don't, a reason for it. But again...
0: Some people have to, I guess. I guess. Maybe there's some
1: people that have to, exactly.
0: I've never, I've never experienced that type of poverty, luckily. But, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Um, so that is definitely worth a watch. So the name of that episode, the show is called... Dirty Money. I don't remember the name of the episode, but it's episode two. Okay. And, and he, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Almost everyone has Netflix. Just go on and look for it. And um, the Dinner with the Racer podcast, you can just find them. Yeah, it's free. Yeah.
1: And I've heard some of their episodes. I don't remember specifically specifically which ones I've listened to,
0: but it's a good show, too. They have some great ones. Yeah. The, the Jeremy Mayfield one's pretty bonkers, too.
1: The NASCAR driver? Yes. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one, either. Yeah.
0: Who was kicked out of NASCAR for mm-hmm. doing meth? Mm hmm. But claims it wasn't meth. It was a mixture of over the counter drugs that looked like meth on his drug tests. Right. But then was caught with meth. With meth in his house? Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. He drove the mobile car, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. No, he's pretty cool back in the day, I remember.
1: Yeah, he was real cool. He's doing meth. <laughs> yeah. It's a party animal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, um, Tucker was convicted of deceiving people out of money using payday loans, but he didn't deal drugs. Right. Which is an important
1: step in the Mm -hmm. level of crime to do, to to fundraising, correct? Um,
0: that brings us to the eighties. Randy Lanier was IMSA, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and if you have ever, uh, watched... Another great documentary called "Cocaine Cowboys." Okay, South Florida was basically a sleepy tourist destination for post-war America until the massive influx of illegal drugs from South America and the money that went with it built South Florida. So, as I was talking on the last podcast, so I was just in Florida, Florida yep. for the, and we've talked on the previous podcast about fl- racing in Florida and Daytona and Sebring, and how, and it how basically. It became. Yep. Just a thing because of the climate and the space. Um, Well, it was also because of all the, in the 80s and 70s and 80s, all of the drug money. Because Florida was a great place to run drugs from South America.
1: That was the closest point to South America.
0: Well, yeah. And the topography and the geography Mm -hmm. makes it great. Yeah. There's all these inland waterways. Yeah. These barrier islands. You can learn a lot of that about watching uh, Narcos on Netflix. Yes. (laughs) Um, So much so that apparently the International Motorsports Association, IMSA, was often jokingly referred to as the International Marijuana Smugglers Association. An interesting way to raise money to go racing. So it wasn't... It was widely speculated at the time that there were a bunch of teams... Into marijuana smuggling. Okay. It didn't really get proven until the late 80s, and Randy Lanier is one of the most famous ones. Okay. Randy Lanier, another one who basically seemed to come out of nowhere. He lived in South Florida, late 70s into the 80s, all of a sudden had this fully funded race team. Hmm. Um, it turns out that he started selling pot in his late teens, bought a speedboat. With pot money. Yep. Okay. Decided to run drugs with it. To South America and back. Yep. And then turned it into an empire. Excellent. So he stumbled upon an SCCA booth at the Miami Auto Show in 1978.
1: Okay. So the SCCA booth has always been a successful way to bring in wonderful people into the sport, apparently. Uh, Still to this day.
0: And then he bought a 57 Porsche 356, which was probably dirt cheap back then. Yeah, probably. Uh, raced in e production and ended up champion in 1980. So there's two points to this: these stories. Yeah. You have to be a willing to do illegal things, and B, you got to be a good driver on top of it. Yeah, I mean, he was naturally talented. Had he not been uh, done it illegally, had he somehow gotten into the sport without using illegal money, mm-hmm. he probably would have been one of the greatest ever. Um, and you know, it's like, you know, it's crazy like this. So that time in racing was still like, uh, you know, you could, when you're hanging out at races and knowing people like might actually get you a ride in a race car, car. Yeah. You know, it's not like today where you can go walk the pits and stuff, but like when I was at Sebring, it's not like, uh, I'm like walking around and then, I'm like kind of friendly with some team like, Hey, our driver got sick. Yeah. Do you, you want to drive? drive? Yeah. Like we know you can kind of drive, <laughs> uh, you have some good Forza lap times. <laughs> do you want to drive? And I'm like, sure. And it's totally cool. Like, no, that's not how it works. And, you know, like that would happen. And then all of a sudden you'd get invited to drive at Le Mans. Yeah. Like, that doesn't work that way. No, not anymore. That's for sure. No. you missed the boat on that one. No. So he was basically hanging out at Daytona. In '81, and he knew this team. It was actually a woman driver. She got sick. He filled in for her.
1: Okay. After one year of racing in a D production 356,
0: E production, yeah, it's what, it's like e two years, 356. Yeah. yeah, good. Um, and they finished like pretty well in the Daytona 24 Hours. That's so then, crazy. yeah. So then he got invited to go with that same team to drive Lama. Absolutely insane. And then that was when he was like, "I want to do this."
1: Well, yeah, you've already run the Daytona 24, and now you run the And I like, I think I found my career. Yeah, I got this.
0: So, of course, he ran like a bunch of in a few years of high level IMSA racing and, and then open wheel racing. Yeah, he ran Indy, didn't he? Yeah, he was the rookie at Indy
1: in '86. So now, uh, so he went from never racing a car. To buy a 20-year-old Porsche race car, Mm -hmm. racing that for two years, Mm -hmm. and six years later, he's on the grid at Indy. Yep. That's insanity. That's insanity. Yeah, it's crazy. That's like a a meteoric rise. That'd be like if you followed that same path from your first autocross, you would already be retired and, like, F1 champion. It's
0: like like, um, I go down to the park... And I'm playing a pickup game of basketball. Yeah. And then two years later, I get picked for the NBA draft. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not like the number one pick, but I'm like in the top ten. Right. And then, and then you win a championship. Like, a couple of years later, rookie year. Yeah, I'm on a championship team. Like, right.
1: <laughs> for those of you who don't know Andrew as well as I do, I have seen Andrew play basketball. Not and this very story good at that. is completely, completely untrue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it'd be like. Uh, I was okay at playing soccer, it'd be like all of a sudden I get picked for like Manchester United. Okay. And then I go play for like...
1: We get the picture.
0: We all know you blew your Achilles heel, Achilles tendon, and
1: now you can't play at all anyway, so it doesn't matter.
0: So, of course, racing isn't cheap. Towards the late 80s, questions are starting to arise where his money was coming from because none of his cars had... Sponsors, which
1: is funny because he's successful. You'd think he would have earned sponsors and then not had to worry about this whole illegally funded race. But he showed up
0: like a March, um, uh, like a March GTU. It was like one of his first race cars. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a crazy expensive car. No livery on it. No. Yeah,
1: just had a pot leaf on the hood. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Basically, it should have. I mean. uh... You know, he always claimed that it was from his jet ski rental and powerboat company.
1: Very South Florida.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, well, eventually the FBI figured it out, and associates were arrested, and they rolled on him. They basically fingered Lanier. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. In light of lighter, you know, lighter sentencing. Um, but the crazy thing was, so he was bringing in. He wasn't just like selling drugs. He was trafficking them.
1: Yeah, well, that's what the boat was going back and forth to South America. But it
0: wasn't just like powerboats. It was they would set up barges, okay, with false compartments. So they would pack in the bales of co- of uh, not cocaine. Bales, he never. I'm,
1: I'm sure there He was. never. No,
0: he says he never sold cocaine. He stuck with marijuana. And they and he actually he claims that that's probably why he's still alive. He didn't get murdered by. Because they were more, much more violent than the pot dealers. Okay. Clearly, but laid back, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Again, we've seen Narcos. Yeah. Everybody in the show dies eventually, it seems like.
0: So they would run these barges with false floors. They'd weld in compartments over the stored weed. Yeah. He'd bring it up to like New York. They'd park it, have guys cut open the stuff. And then it would go out to distribution,
1: right? And then his money would go back into the race cars. Yep, not a bad place to put your money.
0: Well, your ill-gotten money, I guess. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah.
1: Listen, you and I will never have a successful race team, so let's start importing drugs.
0: Mm, no. You heard it here probably first. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Definitely not a good idea. I just walked in. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so. He eventually gets arrested after crashing an IndyCar and, like, breaking his leg, like, in 87. Okay. And this was, like, the end of it. Um, Then it's crazy. His his capture story is nuts. He goes on the run. Like, his wife just has his second kid. He takes off with his mistress. Oh, good. He ends up, like, I believe it was in Europe for a little bit. And then he ended up in Antigua where he had some property and he was out fishing and got arrested by the U S Navy. They tracked him down after he like tried to escape and like run up. It was like he was in a sailboat and they thought they were going to get stopped and they were just going to check their papers. And then he was like, no, they're going to try to arrest me. So he jumped in like a Zodiac and like took off and then hearing him tell the story too, um, because he did an interview for the Marshall Pruitt part podcast. Okay. It's crazy. He like ran up these like mango grove or something like barefoot with just swim trunks on, like trying to get away and eventually just got arrested. But I mean, the other crazy thing too is that he actually thought that while he was on the run, he was going to move to Australia, change his name and drive race cars down there. <laughs> Like, nobody would know who he was. It was this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, he was caught. He spent 30 years in prison. And I guess he tried to escape a couple times. So he ended up at Supermax in Colorado. Awesome. And, uh, I mean, you feel kind of bad because the poor guy did, like, a bunch of time in solitary.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he obviously did things that deserve it.
0: Yeah. I mean... In the end, all I did was sell weed, but... Which is
1: not totally legal. I
0: know. Show. That's the ironic Well, thing, it's right? not
1: totally legal. It's still federally it's illegal. It's federally
0: legal, Yeah. It's yeah. this weird gray area, right? We're getting in strange times. Yeah. Um, but, and then for some reason, there's some sort of loophole, but it's in sealed court documents that have not been released, and he was released for prison in 2014.
1: So that wouldn't have been 30 years.
0: Roughly 30 years. Yeah, because
1: if he was arrested in 87, 88, that's like 26
0: years. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Um, but he was released for time served, uh, and it's interesting because he took up, like, painting, and he took up meditation, and he's, like, this, like, super chill, like, dude, Again, now. again yeah. marijuana. Yeah.
1: He was probably pretty laid back all the time.
0: Yeah. I'm sure he can't because I'm... I mean, I don't think I think they said he's off parole now and he actually works as uh he teaches race driving and does like race driving but not race funding, I hope. No. Yeah. No. And he does like driver instruction days and stuff like that and like ride alongs at like those supercar like ride along things. So that's pretty cool. And he's done like uh I believe Road and Track had him on their American Endurance Racing team and stuff and really yeah.
1: So he's back in, like, legit
0: circles. Yeah. He, he did his time. Yeah, no. Not it's not been involved in any crime since, so he's. I guess he's a pretty chill dude, and they just he's still a good driver. But, you know, unfortunately, he went to prison when he was in his 30s, or late 30s, and he missed out on a whole bunch of time where he could have... His prime racing career. And he could have been a really, really great driver. But since he decided to do illegal things fund his race team that way. If you can't do the crime, don't... If we can't do the time, don't do the crime. Yeah. Well, he did do the time.
1: Yeah. I so. can't imagine, you know, being solidly in my mid-30s, approaching my late 30s, going to jail now for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the rest of my life, essentially, to me right now, you know? That's crazy.
0: Yeah. You might as well be... It's a non-death death sentence. So, yeah. It's I'll not... I get
1: out when I'm in my 60s. It's like, yeah. oh...
0: Okay, now it's almost over, and here I am. What do I do? Mm -hmm. So definitely don't do anything wrong.
1: Yeah, I'll try not to.
0: Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty crazy story. But it's so, it fits. It's, like, so Florida, so 80s. Yeah, it really is. Like, and, you know, just being down there, you're like, I get it. Like, it definitely, like, there's not much down here. Like, to try to explain to someone... That you're racing spending millions of dollars racing comes from your jet ski rental company and power boats yeah,' it's a really successful jet ski rental company, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. How
1: much is it to rent a jet ski for you guys for an hour? uh hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah, sold <laughs> It's crazy, yeah, it's nuts,
0: but um I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to fund your race team. But don't do it illegally, I guess, is the moral of the story.
1: There's a lot of them out there. And, like, just when we were doing this story, I started, like, just Googling a few things. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read a few headlines that came up on, just on Jalopnik. Yep. Father charged with defrauding more than $25 million to fund son's racing career. Mm-hmm. That was a NASCAR truck series uh, race sponsored by Zloop, mm-hmm. which is an electronics recycling firm, which did not have $25 million to put into race cars. Mm-hmm. Um, billion-dollar scam artist, race car operation, up for auction to pay off the feds. Mm-hmm. Two of motorsports' biggest scammers stole from fellow racers in a church. Oh, that's a good one. What was that guy's name? Um, I don't remember right now. Force India F1 team owner arrested on fraud and conspiracy charges. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many of them. There's, yeah, the money's got to come from somewhere, I guess. And it just, you don't, th- you don't think about that when you're watching the racing of all of the... Millions and millions and millions of dollars that all of these race teams have to yeah. put out in order to have successful, successful race teams. Where is that money coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's crazy. Oh, okay, so it I don't was, feel bad about not having money.
0: Not I, cars. I remember this now. It was, it was Gregory P. Lowell's. Okay. uh He was he embezzled $2 million um, from a church in Connecticut. It's a hell of a One church. One of the places. To get money, that he took took money from to go racing. So crazy. It is crazy, and it's incredibly greedy. I mean, it's such a selfish thing to, I mean, stealing anything from anyone, and then oh, of course, and then of course, just then flaunting it by doing so something so lavish. Because really, realistically, we like racing and we like watching it. It doesn't serve a huge purpose outside no. of like car development. Developing that's about, cars and selling that's, cars. That's it.
1: And having and rich guys having fun. Exactly.
0: So it's like just such a jerky thing and it looks so bad. It makes everything look so bad that Do you know that some of Scott Tucker's paid a loans at seven
1: hundred percent interest by the time they were paid off? Yeah. That's seven hundred percent interest. Yeah. So if you took out a loan for a dollar, you had to pay him seven hundred dollars back. Yes. Like, that's absurdity. Yeah. If you took out a loan for $1,000, 700% is like $70,000. So
0: one of the things they would do, it was all in the fine print, you'd take out the loan, say I needed a loan for $500 to whatever, make my car payment. I was going to be $500 short for whatever stupid reason. You'd take it out, and then they would it would be like a short-term loan, like 17 days or something, and you're supposed to have it paid off within that period. Well, at the end of the 17 day period, if you didn't have it completely paid off, they charge you like $90 amounts of fees to, yeah, to extend, quote unquote, extend the loan. And so that you just keep, as long as you didn't pay it off, they'd keep extending the loan on you and you'd keep paying it. So eventually that's, not only are you paying that super huge interest, you're paying all the fees. It's crazy. Yeah. So something that might, that $500 might end up costing me $1,500. I mean, it's really not that much different. I mean, other than like credit cards are capped at the interest rate, but like, it's not that much different, but I guess they don't charge you fees to extend your loan. And then just take them out of your bank account.
1: Also, I was wrong. 700% of 1,000 to 7,000, not 70,000. That was exorbitant math adding on my part. Hmm. Just wanted to pick that up, put that out there before somebody called me out on it later I didn't catch it because. As we prove it time and time again, we can't math no. on Ottawa topic. No, <laughs>
0: we're not going to math. But, so those are just a couple.
1: Like I said, I just
0: did a quick Google
1: search, and I touched on a ton more, like, immediately. So there's so many of them out there, it's not even funny.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's nuts. And, I mean, that... It's funny that, to me, NASCAR really loves to claim that uh, mythology.
1: Right. Of being the illegal base of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. But I guess that... Sounds cooler that you ran whiskey from the law to avoid taxes.
1: Even though NASCAR now claims to be, like, super, like, rule-abiding Christian Southerners.
0: Yeah, but you're running from the tax man. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. It's kind of strange, but it is what it is.
1: Overall crazy stories.
0: They're crazy stories. Um. Anyway... I think we'll call that an episode. It yeah, sounds like a good place to end it. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Op Topic Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Auto Topic. Follow me on Instagram at race and anger,
1: and follow me on Instagram at ss three five zero
0: tsi ss three five zero. I'm going
1: to change it to something like formally known as tsi three
0: fifty.
1: I'll make a symbol. Just a
0: symbol. <laughs> is it like a combination of like the Dodge Colt symbol? No, it'll and be
1: a combo, it'll be like my TSI SS is a combo of the two cars I had when the internet became a thing.
0: My so it'll be a combination TSI of a, Talon and yeah. my SS Camaro. It'll be the Eagle logo with the Camaro logo. It'll be like. So it'll just be a picture I was gonna of was going to say it'd be like an
1: eagle with like an SS blow up, but that sounds really Nazi ish, so I'm not going yeah, to. That. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's touching in a bad place. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't know. So maybe it'll be like a Chevy bow tie with an I eagle was in it. thinking Because that's super American.
0: What if the picture is just a Camaro with an airbrushed eagle underneath it?
1: Oh, that's good. That's yeah. That's good. I like it. There you go. It's got too deep too quick yeah it's not to be none of those things it's gonna turn into like Brad D or something <laughs> like all my other forum names ever since I changed from TSI hmm. SS350
0: well to Brad D 81 <laughs> anyway uh, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses